Welcome to the Community Health Alliances podcast brought to you by Monarch Healthcare Management as a donation to Care Resource Connection. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Steve Coring, Fire Chief for the City of St. Louis Park. And I'm Amy Lugt, the CEO of Care Resource Connection. And today the podcast is going to focus uh, on a pathway that we've uh, we've wanted to talk about for quite a while. And we've got a very special guest um, who's listening in and who's wanting to offer her take on this. It's Laura Mann um, Ginsberg, and she's a partner and principal with Apparatus, uh, which is a women-owned, operated general benefit corporation. Uh, and she'll explain a little bit about that. Apparatus is a full-service public affairs firm working in a variety of spaces, including healthcare, housing, local government, and environmental sustainability. Uh, Laura, as an avid volunteer and advocate, uh, has been deeply engaged with the National Council of Jewish Women, a national organization with national sections working to advocate, support, and work for the rights of women, children, and families. Laura started locally with the Minnesota section of the NCJW, where she served as its board chair from 2018 to 20, and she joined the national board in 20 and will become its chair this summer. Now, that's a pedigree that uh, we are excited to have in this podcast, and uh, so welcome today, Laura, and thank you for joining uh, Amy and I on the Community Health Alliance podcast. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So, Laura, why don't you share a little bit with us about uh, how your work and uh, the things that you're doing um, kind of align with uh, the, what you know about our Community Health Alliance? Sure. So, in in the professional space, Apparatus is, as you mentioned in the in the bio, a general benefit corporation, which to us means that we are a we are a for profit organization, but we really have this mission driven focus. So all the work that we do, all the clients we take on, we're really focused on ensuring that we're advancing social justice and equity as well as environmental sustainability. So we hold ourselves to a different kind of level when we're thinking about where we engage, where we where we work, and the people with whom we work. Um, as it as it relates to the work here with the alliance, we've been working closely with you and Amy. Um, and others in this space for a few years now, and really thinking about the ways in which we can bring the the principles of of advocacy, whether self advocacy, organizational level advocacy, in thinking about how we can better serve populations of folks that might not have the loudest advocates in the room. And it's been it's been really great to work with you both and to be thinking about the ways in which we can strengthen our communities and ensure that everybody has equitable access to the resources they need when they need it. Yeah, we see, I think throughout the work, uh, this very large disconnect between those who need resources and those, and then those who have resources and how they get connected. And then there's really a significant barrier for people to understand or even appreciate uh, what's available to them without some type of advocacy. So. And I think that's where mm -hmm. this uh, this health equity grant work that you're doing um, is important for us. And so, uh, describe Amy if you want to take. Why don't you take off that and talk a little bit about that health equity grant and what we've worked with Apparatus on? Yeah, absolutely. So, Care Resource was uh, given a regional health equity grant from uh, MDH to serve Anoka County, and we have been working very closely with. 
uh, apparatus and Laura specifically and her team um, to put together educational information, um, webinars that will be utilized for other fire departments to learn how to create a community health alliance, and then also working with creating resources. Uh, for the first time, I was just talking earlier this morning about how when we had our, our resource event, for the first time, there were people that had worked to, in Anoka County for over 30 years, and they've never been under the same roof having conversations with each other, really breaking down those silos. So Laura worked really hard on putting a resource um, portion on our uh, Care Resource Connection website, and that is the breadth of work that we've been putting together through this grant. And then most recently, we are going to be having additional community gatherings post our HEDA analysis and bringing those um, conversations back, sitting down and having everybody that was part of this group at the table so we can talk about next steps to really make sure that as we're gaining this information, we're bringing it in, people are listening to it, and more importantly, we're bringing it back and taking action. So Laura, in the work that you've done and the approach that you've taken, where do you see maybe the the top one, two, or three opportunities that need to be addressed? Where do you see those opportunities? Yeah, that's a great question, Steve. Um, you know, there's so many opportunities. And for for where we come from, we have the, the vision that Apparatus has. It is really around this information sharing. And to pick up on what Amy was talking about with the recorded videos, making sure that there are links that are easily accessible to area resources, both, you know, for specific things as well as for broad support, making sure that people can actually get that information, that it's not being kept behind a gate, that it's not, you have to know somebody to get it, that you have to wait until word of mouth trickles down to you. That's such a great equalizer, is letting people know that resources exist, they're there for them and that they can feel ready and willing to take them uh, when they're presented. So I think that, you know, when it comes to the biggest opportunities, it is just really connecting people with information and making them feel like they can be a confident self-advocate as well as an advocate for their family or loved ones uh, that they want to help and support. So that's really what's been really clear to me in working on this, this effort uh, specifically with Amy on the resource of it all. And it's something that we take a lot of pride in um, is making sure that, you know, we're not the expert on everything. Uh, nobody is. And we like to be a connector when we can. And I know that Amy does too, uh, based on the resource work we've done together. You know, when can you bring in an expert, do it and get them there and, and listen and learn from them rather than trying to recreate in your own voice. Well, I know that, Throughout the work of the Community Health Alliance, we've always found, tried to find pathways to the variety of cultures and communities that exist within, within the areas that we serve. And, and we believe and, and truly believe that the fire department, the most trusted local community resource, um, is, a, is a really solid way to connect with those community-based uh, needs. Uh, one area in the city of St. Louis Park that, um, that we that we really truly would love to be able to gain a better understanding of and, and connections with, and that is our, our very diverse population within the Jewish faith. 
uh, in our city. And maybe you can describe some of the some of the unique challenges that that exist within um, addressing the specific needs across that culture and and what it is that you see as a value um, if we can connect with them as an alliance. Absolutely. So, you know, it goes without saying, but no, no culture or no community is a monolith. Uh, there are certainly many different forms of Judaism and different ways that people live in their Jewish faith and their Jewish communities. St. Louis Park is really unique in that it is home to a large population of Jewish folks in the, in the metro area. And there's a there's some really interesting history um, about all of that and how that happened and um, you know some of the white flight that happened from when a lot of Jewish folks lived in North Minneapolis and uh, St. Louis Park ended up being a, a welcoming place for them to to uh, rebuild a community and it's really been a place that has thrived and and supported that community. Um, you know the Jewish population is very small when it comes to just categorically looking at it across uh, all American populations and religions. And it's really something to have a a really healthy community that is diverse and engaged and thriving the way that the community is in St. Louis Park. Um, So the thing that I think is interesting in St. Louis Park in particular is that you have a lot of very conservative Jews um, who wear the more traditional clothing, who are, you know, really living their religion daily, um, and just, you know, are are living it out in a way that that does impact when and how they might connect with service providers or other support systems. Um, For example, the Jewish Sabbath starts at sundown Friday and ends at sundown Saturday. Um, All Jewish holidays also similarly start at sundown. They're on a, a different calendar every year because it's a lunar calendar. So, you know, it's not like you're going to have a December 25th uh, major holiday every year. You'll have a major holiday, but it'll shift around day of the week, um, even the month that it falls in. So, you know, when it comes to successfully supporting any community, certainly just knowing some of those, those key factors of how they are tending to observe when they tend to be more or less available um, and being respectful of that is something that, you know, it, it, it really has to be imperative in how an alliance is seeking to support. You know, you wouldn't want to do a Saturday morning event, for example, when folks may be observing the Sabbath and uh, will not will not engage, uh, will not drive a car to go somewhere. Um, some will not even use electricity. Um, you know, to get onto a Zoom or anything like that. So, you know, you really have to think about these things uh, and 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 work accordingly from there. I remember a few years ago, there was a um, there was a survey that was going on, and it was it was a it was a legitimate survey. I'll start by saying that it was a legitimate survey that was coming out of a university that had gotten funding from a Jewish philanthropist to to do some uh, demographic interest. Study, um, and they were they were calling folks um, that that were Jewish and asking them some questions um, about their you know their practices and, and things like that. And again, this was all on the up and up. Everything about this was was fine. However, when they gave it to the university to conduct the survey, the university 
was calling and texting on a Friday late afternoon and calling to follow up on a Saturday. And for me, I, I was one of the people, I was one of the recipients of this. It made me very nervous that this was not a legitimate survey and that I had cause to be concerned that perhaps, you know, even something as terrible as like a hate group was calling around and trying to get information from Jewish folks um, that would, you know, tell more about who they were, where they lived, et cetera. So something just that simple can show you how that can actually do the opposite of what you're intending to do, which again, was a totally legitimate survey trying to ensure that this Jewish philanthropist organization understood the areas in which it was, it was donating grant money and instead had the opposite effect of causing alarm because why would a Jewish organization ever call during the Sabbath? They would not. And so you can see where there's just this, this unintentional misstep uh, where, where you might actually cause harm unintentionally rather than doing what you intend to do, which is a good thing. So, you know, it's just a, a, a quick example of why it makes it so imperative that you know a little bit about the community you're going into and that you're respectful of, you know, the elements that might, um, that might have an implication for how and when and where they show up. I think we we learned a great deal during the pandemic <clears throat> about how all of our communities uh, respond to community health outreach, right? So people are, you kind of expect people just to readily welcome and and be open to ideas, suggestions, and and kind of even some course correction if necessary. But one of the things we learned, you know, by being a little more sensitive to some of these communities is that there isn't a standard answer that fits all, right? And and, what, mm -hmm. and I think there's a great deal of deference within the, the Jewish community about how the rabbi um, inserts themselves or the faith leader of that in that area to how do they assert themselves and how they're looked at as a, as a position of authority as well as a, a person that people look to for leadership and guidance. Absolutely. And I think we see that, you know, certainly, and I think any faith would say that they, they look to their, their leaders as, you know, another point of information, a point of support, et cetera. And I think it's worth noting that particularly for communities that tend to be marginalized, we see this in the Muslim community as well, those folks take on an even larger and more important role because there may be some level of distrust or mistrust with institutions. Um, so thinking about, you know, what we see with policing, for example, there are, there are many folks in, um, you know, BIPOC communities that are going to perhaps have less comfort with having their first point of action be going to police in certain situations. So, you know, to your point, Steve, I think that's, that's really salient in thinking about the fact that you do have perhaps even, um, you know, an outsized role of some of those faith leaders because they have a level of trust and they are, are really known well and respected in their smaller communities. And that makes them, you know, a, a really important place to go for resources, for support, for knowledge, for information. And that can be a great conduit in building relationships, you know, through something like the Alliance to ensure that, 
that those folks are, are in the know and can be helpful in passing along information and resources. Yeah, I, I think that um, I would like to maybe get your ideas or thoughts on, you know, one of the things on a daily basis, the fire department obviously responds to these communities throughout throughout the day, you know, uh, 12 to 15 times a day, we're going on medical calls in our community. So how do you, you know, when you think about how we connect in our communities and you thinking of the fire department as a trusted resource, how do you, how do you view that fire? You've been working with us long enough to know kind of how do you view the fire department's role in being a good, a good trusted community leader in addressing these things or connecting with these various communities who are challenged by access? You know, you're totally right. The fire department does have a very important and and unique space it holds as being seen as, above all, a helper, reliable, safe. And I think that the simplest answers are usually true, which is being present, being accounted for, being um, in touch with, uh, you know, the various leaders of communities and community centers. Um, I belong to Temple Israel in Minneapolis. And, you know, they unfortunately um, spend a great deal of money on security because there are real threats. And that is just something that folks in marginalized communities live with differently. Now, having said that, I have all the privilege of walking around as a cis white woman every day. So I don't, I don't experience that kind of hate, um, you know, regularly. But I do have some trepidation sometimes when I go to my temple and there's always, um, there's always security, both seen and unseen there. And especially for the Jewish community, there is a reliance and respect for uh, law enforcement and for folks that are seen as helpers in, in those, those departments and things like the fire department, things like health systems. Um, so as far as, you know, speaking for, for my community, I think that just being present is so important, you know, being part of um, a carnival, being part of a, you know, an event where that's family oriented, that's going to, you know, touching a truck or, uh, you know, getting to sit in a truck, getting to understand and see firefighters and emergency responders and understanding the, the great breadth of what they do beyond just fighting fires. Um, understanding how they can be helpful in in other capacities, inviting them to uh, inviting folks to you know the firehouses for car seat checks and things like that. Like there's just so, so many great ways to be part of a community and to build that trust in non-emergency situations that I think really you know goes even further to this point you're making about the reputation and credibility that that you know, fire departments in particular have when it comes to being part of their communities and being a trusted um, support system and and being folks that you want to work with and that you know are going to show up and, and help you. And on a more specific level, you know, as the president of NCJW, what is the mission and vision of the organization and how can we as the Community Health Alliance support uh, the organization and what you're doing? Yeah, so National Council of Jewish Women has been around for almost 130 years now. It's a really impressive organization with deep roots nationally as well as in uh, states throughout the country. 
So I think that they can be a great resource on a local level. And CJW Minnesota does a lot of advocacy work directly with folks that that need support and services, as well as at the Capitol. You know, they're really thinking about kind of that grass top advocacy as well. And what are what are systems that need to change? Um, for example, NCDW Minnesota was instrumental in a couple of key pieces of legislation that, that we saw this year at the legislature, um, including uh, codifying abortion access and um, menstrual product equity. So there are great ways, you know, from a healthcare standpoint to be supportive of the organization and, um, you know, just to know what they're, what they're working on and where they also have resources. There are some deep relationships and deep subject matter experts um, that are working in myriad areas, you know, relating to the, the mission of NCJW, which is really on uh, advocating for women, children, and families. So there's, there's a ton of overlap. And I think that when it comes to, you know, supporting one another, it's, it's really uh, a symbiotic relationship because I think that NCJW has so many, uh, you know, its mission has so many of the, of the principles that the Alliance has as far as just making sure that, that people are getting access to the services, the information, the resources they need to be self-advocates and to be advocates for their communities. Um, and I think just continuing to entrench and, and build relationships there is the best way to support. Well, I, I got to tell you, uh, as, as one of the co-founders of the Community Health Alliance, I have never been more, more excited and happy whenever I see the apparatus team on any one of our projects and working with us. So you've done more to help us understand how to advocate for ourselves as well as how to bring messaging that is palatable to a broad base of our the people that we serve. So we have appreciated everything your organization has done for this alliance, as well as uh, we're excited about working with you and your uh, team as we think differently and expand our thoughts uh, uh, towards this, uh, this the Jewish population in our community of St. Louis Park. And anything else that we seem to tackle, you seem to have a way of, of building an answer for. So thank you for what you do. Um, is there any last comments you'd like to make to the to the audience uh, before we close? Um, well, thank you for those kind words. I would just add that, you know, as I said up top, we are a general benefit organization, and that means that we do have this, this mission-level commitment to doing good and amplifying good around us. And it is truly a privilege to work with you both on this work. It's something that we are absolutely excited and frankly kind of giddy about the way that it has has blossomed and is is taking on this kind of new this new chapter of being more visible and and really getting what it deserves as far as attention and replication um, you know imitation is the sincerest form of flattery in this sense and so it's been it's been great to stand alongside you as as all this work has been happening and we look forward to much more well, thank you. And to our listeners, uh, you can be assured that there'll be initial conversations uh, in the future as we kind of talk about some of the outcomes that have happened because of this work. So, Laura, again, thank you uh, for being here on the podcast today. It's Laura Mon Ginsberg uh, with Apparatus and uh, who's doing amazing things in her circles. And uh, we appreciate being part of it. So thank you, Laura. And to our listeners, we'll be back uh, next Wednesday. Thank you, Laura. We appreciate your time. My pleasure.
We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Please tune in next Wednesday wherever you listen to your podcasts.